love you, Jesus. Name above all names. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the house of God. Woo! Got my happy feet. Praise the Lord. Man, God is in this place. I want to talk a little bit about some family business because we've got to be ready for what's coming up in our nation. Amen? So I want to encourage everybody to get out and vote. We've got to make our stand for righteousness. Most of the time, I didn't talk about politics in the church, and I regret that, but now is the time to do it. You can see what the enemy is trying to take from us in this election. So me and my family, we're going to vote for Trump to pray and believe that he'll keep his word and that we're going to be able to see abortion rid from our land. We're going to stop socialism, and we're not going to give an opportunity for the devil to take our values out of this nation. What you do is up to you. We're here to talk it through with you as well, not to force you to vote any certain way, and we love you even if you're wrong, okay? But let me just say this. you got to get out and vote. And then look at what they're doing now in our state. They're bringing back the restrictions. We're only supposed to have 10 in here by the mayor, but she's full of the devil, and I rebuke her in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to keep having church. So I want to give you some knowledge to that. Brother, would you put it up? The great Barrington Declaration has been brought forth by doctors from Harvard and Oxford. And if you just scroll down, you can see it as you go to the website. The declaration has been given, and they predicted it. They said if we do not allow the young and the healthy to intermingle and go back to normal lives, we'll have a second wave, a third wave, a fourth wave. And that's the problem we're in right now. And so the, the, the thing is, it's not that COVID isn't real. It is real. But on the level of danger, it's not as dangerous as they're saying it is to do all that they're doing. And so for those of us who want to take the risk, we need to be willing to do that. Now, now here's the grace in that, even for our church. If you want to social distance, if you want to be online, if you want to wear a mask, you're more than willing to do that. And those who have preconditions or have multiple issues that could possibly come up, you need to take that very serious, okay? But what they're talking about as doctors is that it's important for the immunity to be built up in a population because every time the flu season comes around, we can't shut down the entire government. Are you guys listening to me? Or the entire nation, in other words. And if you just scroll up a little bit here, what we have to do is be able to protect the vulnerable and make sure that those living in, the, in the assisted living or those who have multiple issues to be cared for. But the rest of us need to have some courage and just go down. Uh, help me scroll here. Oh, I went too far. I'm sorry. Go back up. As it says right here that the... Uh, the, the healthy among us need to get out. Here we go. Those who are not vulnerable, thank you, should immediately be allowed to resume. Life is normal. See, that's what needs to happen. And by the way, let me just say this. Some of you go all the way and call it a pandemic. I'm not necessarily there. And when I do interviews, when I was on different shows and stuff, I didn't have to argue what would be considered conspiracy in their mind, though I'm not against that because I don't trust anybody with that much power and what these governments are doing. But let's say this is the flu right here, and over here is like full-blown AIDS or something, you know, the bubonic plague. I'm somewhere like flu 
COVID right here. Are you guys tracking with me? Okay, I'm like right about here. Now, Fauci may be like right here or something, okay? But here's my point. Even if Fauci was right and it's this extreme, it's almost as bad as AIDS. It's almost as bad as the bubonic plague. We as American citizens don't give up our rights. We do not allow the U.S. government to put us into bondage. Even if it was the most serious thing possible, we don't lose our rights because, listen, like I said, I can't get into whether or not it was planned or not, but how many know when the epidemic came, people went to our streets and tried to take over our nation? See, that's why you don't allow the government to try to take over control. Someone else will do it other than who's there now, and you're not going to like them. And then the other thing is, once again, like I think it's a little bit worse than the flu, but let's say it's as bad as the bubonic plague. We don't stop being the church. Now, you don't have to come to church, and that may be wise. Let's say a hurricane was coming today. My, my friends already went through it in New Orleans. They're trying to get their electricity back. That's real. You don't have to go to church Sunday morning during a hurricane. But the bottom line is nobody should tell us that we can if we don't want to. Okay, and, and so here's the thing. There is a greater risk. It is true. There is a greater risk from getting out of your house to if you stayed in. If you stayed inside your house all day, you have less chance of being killed by a car. How many believe that? If you stayed in your house all day, you have less chance of being bitten by a wild snake or something. You have less chance of getting sick. You have less chances. Okay, but the moment you now go outside of your house, you are now deciding the amount of risk you want to take. What these doctors are talking about is that those of us who are not vulnerable, and I understand some of us may have underlying conditions. It's rare. When we look healthy and we're young or whatever, but on the uh, inside, we've got conditions we don't know about. Maybe we're susceptible to blood clotting, might have a stroke. They say some young people have dealt with that with COVID. Or maybe there's underlying heart issues that you don't know about or lung issues. We understand that that's called life. Do you guys get that? So those of us who are saying, hey, for as far as I can know, I'm okay to get out and about, we need to be able to do this because what begins to happen is we produce a herd immunity and we stop the spiking as we're seeing now and we take away the control of the, the that daddy government to tell us where we go and where we can't be. So once again, we need to understand this election season is very important because what's, what's up is not just the Supreme Court justices, which thank God the Christian got in. How many happy she got in? Amen. And, and not just that he kept his word to do that, but that now more Supreme Court justices may be filled in the next four years because you never know what's going to happen. But our rights as a nation, as citizens, whether you're a Christian or not, are also going to be up for vote right now when you're voting for a president and freedom of religion for churches and for the values of our nation. So I want you, uh, brother, can you show them the other website? Go to any website and look at the values of the, the people that we're voting for, okay? Now, let's just say you saying, man, well, I don't, I don't think Trump is a Christian. I don't feel comfortable with the way he's treated ladies and all that. Well, let me ask you something. By the same Bible, what is this man then? This man's busting hell wide open quick. Are you listening? This man wants to kill people that haven't even, uh, that, are, that are born, you know, out of the womb or in the womb, partial birth abortion. These people are liars too. So, so if you want to be like, well, somebody's told a lie or somebody I don't like is a racist or whatever, trust me, this guy is a racist all, all the way. He told Charlemagne the false God, if you 
you don't vote for him, you're not black. So what I would say is look according to the values. And I know some people think Trump's a Christian and all that. I don't need, like I said, I don't even need to go that far. I have to make a decision at this time that brings my values the furthest. Biden does not want to bring the Christian values the furthest. He does not want us to get out of lockdown. He wants to keep us in lockdown, you know. And they don't want to give churches more rights. They don't want more Christians on the Supreme Court. They want to take those things from us. They want to take away the ability for us to have our own freedoms and to make our own decisions. And so I ask you to do that. I ask you to pray about that. Now we're going to pray for our nation. Are you ready? Because God's in control. But we got to do our part. Father, we ask you to be with our nation during this election time. We pray that people will not be acting up, that there will not be riots no matter who wins. We pray for peace on the streets, and we pray for justice to prevail. Father, we do believe you brought in Trump to, to do some things for the kingdom of God, to do some things for the freedom of Americans, and I pray that he gets to do it another four years, and that during this time, the church does its part and goes and wins souls and makes disciples, changes worldviews, and changes the world, and that, Lord, we show the, the world once again what it's like to, to have you bless our nation and to be a blessed nation. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. So we're going to do good this uh, Tuesday. That's what I'm believing God for. Amen. And if not, I'll still be serving God. I'll be here next week. You going to come? All right. Let's open up our Bibles to the book of Proverbs. That was a good family talk. I'm glad you can understand that. And so once again, even if, as you're turning to Proverbs uh, chapter 4, as you're turning to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, I just want to say this. When, when we uh, shut down our church for a month during the initial signs of COVID, we didn't understand how governments would use that against us. We didn't get that. We thought we were just doing the right thing. Like I said, as if a hurricane was coming, and they say, hey, man, it's good to evacuate. There's going to be a hurricane, so we're going to move out the way. But what we realized is people with nefarious motives, people with evil motives, took that as a sign of control. Like right now, like I said, Lori Lightfoot still hasn't given it back, still hasn't made this lawful. So we're not, we're not waiting for her permission. We got it from our founding fathers, amen, and we got it from God. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. But watch this right here, but watch this. Right now, right now, they're trying to restrict how we're having church, and churches are already doing the two-step with them, going forward, going backward, going forward. And I say the same thing with the restaurants. Passively resist like how we're resisting because, man, we cannot be controlled by them. We should not be controlled by them. So, so as a church, here is our policy now moving forward. Even if we get hit with AIDS, even if we get hit with the bubonic plague, we're not closing down church. We're not doing it anymore. Now, that doesn't mean you have to come. You don't have to come. You may be like, man, that's crazy. They all got AIDS up in the church or whatever. Okay, well, then you don't come. Or you come in a big bubble, and you're like in those bubbles, and you're walking around, and like, bung, bung, we're bouncing off of each other. I mean, there's different options. But the point is we're not listening to what they're saying. We're not opening and closing, opening and closing, opening and closing based on them. We will decide what's best for us. Amen. And so as of right now, just to put it all together once again, we're with those doctors in the Barentine statement. We're with them. We believe that this is a, this is a disease probably a little bit worse than the flu. Uh, th this is what they say. It's worse than the flu for the, uh, the elderly and those with preconditions. It's not as bad as the flu for those who are children and those who are under a certain age. So it's somewhere in between there, right? But we are saying we're going to be a part of the brave ones who are willing to take risks and to bring forth the herd immunity. And when they get sick, uh, 
six, six years from now when they decide to come out into real life, we'll have plasma for them and different things to donate. But we're not waiting around for, for, for a vaccine. We're not waiting around for them to tell us that mother may I and give us permission. We're going to take our lives in our hands and make our decisions and take our risk. Amen? And it's a risk being here. I understand that. But it was a risk getting up this morning. And you can die in the car with, uh, with uh, you know, you can die in a car accident with, with I can't even think of it. What's that called? The lotion. I want, I want to say hand sanitizer. Thank you, Jesus. Let me say my one-liner now. You can die in a car accident with hand sanitizer on like body lotion and a mask. They can come find you in the, in, in, in the ditch after you got into the car accident. They could say, man, you are the most sanitized, most protected person that just got hit by a semi. Because once again, it, you're not guaranteed you're not going to die because you wear a mask and you are hand sanitized now. Amen. All right, go to Proverbs chapter 4. Somebody say that was just the word before the word. Amen. So glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. We're going to learn about guarding our hearts. And so if I could have your attention in, in this little bit of an introduction. As I said all of that, I still have to guard my heart because there's people who don't agree with me. We've had people out here protesting and saying, it's because of you that grandma died. And that's the way they want to be at this hour. Even in the, uh, the religious debate, other Christians are saying to us, you're not Christ-like. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. And these kinds of things can come from your family members, your friends. And not only in this context of Antifa, BLM, COVID, all of this, it can just come on your job from another situation. Maybe they find out you're pro-life instead of pro-choice or that you believe that, that marriage should be between one man and one woman, etc. And what happens is, these folks can be used as tools of the enemy, these relationships to get you out of your peace with God and to change your heart from being righteous to wicked. Because how many know you can be right about something but be wrong on the inside? How many have ever been married and gotten into a fight? And you were right, but you were wrong. Come on, are you listening? You were right about what you were saying, but you were wrong and about how you handled it. Can I get an amen from somebody? This is the truth. And so right now, I believe a lot of us are right. A lot of us here are really woke to what's going on. But the problem is, is if we now don't guard our hearts, our hearts can become bitter. And then we start violating the commands of Jesus. And, and so I think it's an old temptation from the devil that if he can't beat you head on in the worldview battle, he's going to try to go to the heart and get you bitter. Think about it. To get you bitter and angry because Jesus said that you are to pray for your enemies. You are to love your enemies as even you would love yourself. You are to do good to those who despitefully use you. And right now in this climate, what they're doing is going to hell and they're wanting to drag you down with them. They want to make you hate them. Because they hate you. But we have to rise above them. We have to guard our hearts. When I was standing out in one of those riots and they were getting up in our face as Christians, I had to start looking at this one gentleman who just was screaming in my face and say back to him, I love you. I love you. I love you because of Jesus. I am not your enemy. Our enemy is the devil, and he is using you to come against me, but I love you. You were there, and we had to tell them. Now, this doesn't mean we don't rebuke them, because the Bible says an open rebuke is better than hidden love. So I will not hide my love from you. I will rebuke you. I'll tell you as a T.I. is the old timers used to say, as it is, baby. But, but here's the thing. But I'm not going to do it because I hate you. I'm going to do it because I love you. I have to guard our hearts. 
One time I was in uh, ministry, just fresh out of Bible college, and I had bitterness towards the leadership. It wasn't the one that was considered my spiritual father or mentor. He came and visited me last week, surprised me as we were celebrating uh, getting uh, my doctorate. My wife and others did that for me. That was very nice. It was others. And I was in ministry, and I was right about why I was upset. If I were to tell you the story, you'd be like, yeah, you should be upset. They did you wrong. Somebody say they did them wrong. Amen. If we, if we were being interviewed by Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil would look at him and say, you did him wrong. That He would agree with me. The audience would agree with me. I was done wrong. Now, thank God I wasn't touched. They didn't steal anything from me. They didn't do anything gross or disgusting. But it was in interpersonal relationships that I was done wrong. And if I was asked to tell the story about it, you would probably, like I said, agree but if you knew me well enough, you would probably notice that when I was telling the story over time, as time was going by, that my heart was different, that the way I would talk about it was no longer with grace. It was all out of anger. And the Bible says the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. When I would express my hurt and frustration, I would express it without compassion. God knew this, and those around me could begin to tell. I was getting not better, but I was getting bitter. And while I was sitting in a service very similar to this, I heard a preacher say that he was talking to us as pastors. It was a conference. He said, pastors, the devil's trying to get many of you out of your calling. But he's not doing it the way you think. He's not doing it with pornography, alcoholism, drug addiction, stealing from the offering because he knows that you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't get a mile close to that. But what he's doing is he's trying to get you out the ministry by breaking your heart and taking away the grace of God to forgive those who have hurt you. And then this is what he said. I'm going to give you the bitterness test, and I want to give it to you guys as well. He said, I'm going to give you the bitterness, pastors. I want you to think about the one who's hurt you the most. And then ask yourself this question, can you pray this prayer? Lord, bless my enemy more than you would bless me. Prosper them. Do good for them. Make your face shine upon them. He said, if you cannot pray that, you have failed the test. And then he said, pastors, you need to come up here and repent, and I'm going to pray for you because I've been through this myself. And I just ran up there, and I got his attention because of how I ran. And then he called me up on the stage, and that could have been embarrassing, but it wasn't because I knew I had to get right with God. And there on the stage, he prayed for me, and I got set free, fell down, went boom, woke up in the Holy Ghost feeling free. And I knew from that moment, hallelujah, I knew from that moment that bitterness was a bait of Satan, as John Bevere wrote in his book, that it was a bait that the devil was throwing at me to see if I would bite because he would throw at me adultery and I would hit it away. He would throw at me, you know, go back to your lifestyle and I would hit it away. But when he threw at me hurt... I just took it in, and I said, yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah, they did you wrong. Oh, yeah, man, they did me wrong. Yeah, they're all crazy. Yeah, they're all crazy. You know what? They probably don't even love God like you. Yeah, they're not even saved. Yeah, it's good to be angry at them. Yeah, I feel good. Talk about it. Oh, yeah, I'm going to tell somebody. But Yeah, I keep talking, and the devil would just tempt me like that. And what I thought was my thoughts was really an intruder's thoughts. And I realized that I had gotten caught up in bitterness and now I want to warn you today, my brothers and sisters, that I see that same temptation being thrown out to you. I understand that there's churches here in our city that are cowardly. I'm, I'm disappointed with them too. But we can't now get so hurt that we start abusing these other Christians. 
We see them with a mask, you know, and then we start mocking them. And then we see they're still online and not on the front lines. And then we ridicule them. Do we rebuke and correct and put it on blast? Absolutely. But I'm saying we've got to guard our heart because we should be able to pray for each and every one of them. Lord, bless them. Lord, provide for them, make a way for them, not in their sin, not in their wickedness, but Lord, give them your truth because truth is not something that God gives out just to his favorites and not to others. Truth is for everybody. So it's like, God, show them your way, show them. Lord, if you've really showed this to me, then show it to them because otherwise what we'll do is we'll let them bring us so low as to hate them. And we'll say, well, well, we're right. You know, they're trying to take over our nation. They're trying to do X, Y, and Z. But listen to me. We'll go to the same hell as them. You could have been on the north fighting the south with all the great intention to set free the slaves. But if you began to hate the south and not wish for their salvation, not wish for their, you're not wishing for their repentance anymore. All you want to do is blow up their flesh, put a cannon through the middle of them. You could die and go to the same hell they went to. Sounds like 1 Corinthians 13, doesn't it? Even if I give my body to be burned and have not love, what does it profit me? So even in the midst of our battle with real enemies, that people who want to kill us, we still have to pray for their repentance. We have to pray for them to come and know Christ. We cannot take pleasure just in their death alone. Yes, at times we need to get happy when the wicked die off so that the righteous can rule. I get that. There are times for war. But even God said at the moment of the wicked's death and he sees them perishing, there's no happiness in that because that's a lost soul that he wished would never perish. So, yeah, I was happy when Saddam Hussein was defeated and other wicked people like him. But I would to God that he'd rather have been saved and had been redeemed and testified before we put him on the electric chair. Amen? Because they're still going to have consequences because there's some people who have done some real crazy stuff. But what I'm saying is we still want to see them saved. We want them to be woke to the truth. We don't take pleasure in just being right and pushing them down. Otherwise, like I said, we will go to the same hell that they go to, but for different reasons. You see, their deed of the flesh was their wickedness that expressed itself through all of those different things. They loved abortion. They loved perversion. They loved those things, and they suffer, and now they're punished eternally. But what did we do? We withheld forgiveness. We withheld compassion. And Jesus was very clear. If you do not forgive those who sin against you, then I will not forgive your sins. So we're going to hell for unforgiveness, and they're going to hell for abortion. I do believe there's different gradients of hell. They'll probably suffer more. But nonetheless, we will be outside of the presence of God. And so I don't think we lose salvation like a set of keys. I believe that in salvation, if we continue in sin without repentance, our heart can become hard and lead us to unbelief, as the book of Hebrews says. And so what I think the devil does is he draws us out through bitterness I'm talking to real soldiers here. I'm talking to real people. Are you listening to me? Like people like me, like you are in this to the day you die, and, and, and the devil just wants to draw you out just a little bit and say, well, you know, Biden's an idiot, so you know what? Just, you know, just curse him. Don't pray for him. You know, these folks wearing the mask, going out, doing all the Antifa stuff, don't you just wish they would die? Why don't you tell your, your neighbor that? Yeah, I just wish these people would die, you know? And then what happens now? You're speaking death. You're doing something that even Jesus didn't do. Jesus looked at the ones crucifying them, him and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
There is still opportunities for us to be a witness, a light to them, and to see them saved and changed. Once again, I hope I'm clarifying. That does not mean we become doormats. That does not mean we don't arrest them or put them in jail if they cross the line or stand up to them because they're being bullies. But when we're doing it, we're not doing it from the place of wickedness, from the anger of man. We're doing it from the place of the righteousness of God, and we're guarding our heart from their sin coming into our hearts. So that that day after I was at that riot at Nini's Deli, that I had to go home and check my heart and even look over the videotape and say, I forgive you. Lord, I pray you save this one. Lord, I I forgive this one. I pray you save this one. I had to go through the videotape, some of the ones that were being the most vile and disgusting, and release, release them from grabbing a hold of my heart in the bait of Satan, unhooking it and saying, I won't let you bring me down with you. I will not let you make me to be perverse and angry without cause and unrighteous. And honestly, I feel that's where we need to be right now because there is a spiritual battle manifesting through our friends and family. And if we're not careful in our righteousness, we're going to start acting like them. And we'll be no better than a Cubs fan and a Sox fan yelling at each other where there is no spirit of God present. How many know there is no spirit of God present over a Sox fan and a Cubs fan yelling at each other at the you know Crosstown Classic? You know, they're just, oh, I'm a Sox fan. I'm a Cubs fan. There's no God in that. There's no spirit in that. The dove has left a long time ago. The Holy Spirit, if you know what I'm talking about. And you can be right, and you can be at Thanksgiving, and you can be at Christmas, and you can be with your coworker, and you can be right in preaching the word, and you can be saying the right thing, and you can be standing up the, you know, for the right things, and then all of a sudden, you'll know it. After this message, I pray that you'll never forget it, and the Holy Spirit will remind you of it. You'll know it. The Holy Spirit will be like, I'm out of here. <laughs> and your flesh will just be coming against another person's flesh. You're saying the right things with your flesh. You're saying the spiritual words with your flesh, but your flesh has no power over what they're dealing with, and it will not produce the righteousness of God. Once again, to clarify for the last time, that doesn't mean you may not raise your voice. That doesn't mean you may not call people some snakes and vipers. That doesn't mean you won't expose them on social media or break up with them or stop hanging out with them. But the point is when you gift them, when you give them the gift of goodbye, you're doing it from the place of righteousness like how Jesus did. Tears coming down your eyes. I wish I could have brought you in, but you didn't want that. Now you're going to see me next time, but it's going to be in judgment. And that is real. And we don't want to see them judged. We want to see them saved. Somebody say, guard your heart. Amen. Because we don't know what this next week holds. I've heard a whole bunch of prophecies about this next week. How many have heard some prophecies that scared you a little bit about this? I've heard the good ones. Some people say, it's going to be amazing. You know, like the Christians, like because most Christians are for Trump. They're like, Trump's going to get elected. Revival's going to break out. It's going to be amazing. And then others are like, dum, dum, dum. There's going to be foreign militaries in Washington, D.C., the, the beast from the abyss will be loosed. There's going to be riots everywhere. There will be blood as high as a horse's head. That's what's happening. Just wanted to tell you, God bless you. You can support my ministry at this Patreon. We'll see you next time. Seriously, I've heard all the different prophecies from all the different prophets. I feel like COVID was missed by all of them, so they're making up for lost time right now. It's like, y'all miss COVID. I know I'm making up for it right now. I'm prophesying Armageddon. 
I don't know which way it's going to go. I have, I have no prediction, honestly. I just, I just feel God oftentimes keeps it simple for me. I feel like I really, I'm really, i a horse with blinders. I don't get a lot of foresight into those things. I just know I need to do what's right. I'm going to vote. I'm going to vote according to my conscience. Like I said, for Trump, I want to see him another four years, protect our nation, protect our churches. I'm going to hope to God that aldermans can get some spiritual cojones and get our ludicrous mayor out of power. I'm hoping that the reps can get our governor out of power, slap them back from what they're doing like the whack-a-mole and just stop them from what they're doing. But no matter what, November 4th, 5th, 6th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, December, I'm going to be serving Jesus. And I'm going to guard my heart. Amen? And I will guard my house if it gets that crazy. I will be guarding my house. Amen? Machine gun preacher if I have to. But I don't know where we're going after this, but I'm saying I'm just going to guard my heart. I'm going to love them. I'm going to wish the best for them. And if I have to put them down to meet Jesus, then I'm just going to say, that was your fault. I gave you a chance to stop, you know? So, so here's the deal. Y'all be ready for anything. Amen? Some people predicting it's just going to be a normal election. Who knows? How many think something crazy is going to happen? Let's see. How many think it's just going to kind of be normal? The craziness is gone. Anybody? How many are just like totally just not in any sense of a, a word? Like you have no prediction. You're just like me. You're like, no sense. I'm just going with it. I have no sense. Not no sense, but I have no, I have no idea. That's the word. I can't call it, but we'll see what happens. I just know whoever wins, a lot of people are going to be mad, right? Proverbs 4.20, Solomon speaking. This is what I want for us as a people, as a church, for all Christians. Listen to what he said. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Let's read verse 23 together. One, two, three. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Verse 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the pass for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Somebody say steadfast. Amen. Thank you. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Amen. God's people said Amen. If you could scroll down, you'll see a chart there to help us understand this scripture. When we look to the scripture, we see that right in the middle is guard your heart. When we understand what was happening before and after, it's all to the center of guard your heart. Those first four points and those last four points have at the meat, the center of the matter is guard in your heart. Isn't it cool how they wrote in poetic ways like this? Does anybody think the Bible's cool? How many think they had different literary devices? These are called poetic devices that they would use. I'm not going to try to explain them to you because I don't understand them myself. I always forget their names. But here is one. You have four points. Not a coincidence. Then guard your heart. And then another four points. Let's go through them. Number one, if you want to guard your heart, you have to pay attention to God's word. I know it may be awesome to keep up with the news or some of your favorite people. You know, you might like, you know, Stephen Crowder or Glenn Beck or this one or that one. But you have to understand, whatever you're listening to is not as important as the Word of God. Everything that you're listening to needs to be filtered by the Word of God. If you're taking man's Word, no matter how cool it is, you know, like Ben Shapiro, oh, he's so awesome, or this one or that one. No, it's God's Word, then I listen to Ben Shapiro. It's God's Word, then I listen to my favorite person on Facebook. It's God's word. We have to pay attention to it. 
Because it is the same ones, you know this for a fact, the same ones that were saying, don't judge me, don't judge me, are the ones that are woke now with a diaper over their face. How many can say amen to that? They are the same ones. Why? Because they were not paying attention to God's word a year ago. They were thinking we were too judgy, and now they're just going with the flow. But it's the thing about, it's the thing that, that really gets us is that we never see deception unless we see it in somebody else because it's always deceiving to us. In other words, this, the thing about deception is it's so deceiving. So how do they get deceived? Because nobody wants to be deceived. They got deceived because they weren't keeping up with God's word. When I look here to the scriptures, I see a part of the end times is disease, famine, so forth and so on. Why should I be shocked that I'm going to have to live in a time of sickness and disease? I shouldn't be shocked by that. The Bible also says that the pride of life is a part of the love of this world. Why would I be shocked when I see governments using their authority and pride to oppress people? The Bible says when the wicked rule, the, the people groan. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Why would it be any shock to us if you got your head in the Word? The Bible says keep your head in all situations. The Word of God is profitable to teach, correct, rebuke. We are not to be deceived. We are to be determined to know the will and the doctrine of God. So even right now, if you don't have it all together, you can at least say, thank God I'm not deceived because you're staying in the doctrines of God. That doesn't make you a Pharisee saying, well, at least I'm not those guys. No, but out of gratitude, the Bible says the word becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Aren't you glad that you're not walking in darkness today knowing not what makes you stumble? But that came to those of us who were ready by the word. And for some of us who made mistakes along the way, we are now awoke to what the word is saying. But once you devalue the word of God and you put above the word of God the opinions of men, then you're ready to be deceived. It was the nice German people that allowed Nazism to grow. The ones who didn't want to talk about politics on Sunday as Dietrich Bonhoeffer was willing to assassinate uh, you know, uh, Hitler as he's making plans of assassination. Everybody is just singing louder so they don't hear the trains go by to the, whole, uh, to the concentration camps. See, those were the nice Germans that got along with the Nazis in their, in their job and in their families, right? They didn't cause any problems. But do you want to be a nice German or do you want to be a radical disciple for Jesus Christ? Then that means you've got to bring the word of God in every situation you're in. And if that makes the Nazis upset, and I'm not calling the Antifa people Nazis, I'm just saying, but in your time of conflict, if that makes those upset who disagree with the word of God, that is not your job to fix. You cannot fix people's offenses towards God. How many know they were angry for, towards God before that you, you started talking to them at the job? When I meet people on the street, I am not the first person they have met that is pro-life. <laughs> I am not the first person that they have met that believes that homosexuality is a sin. So when I am preaching and they come with all of their anger, is that against Joe Wyrostic? Like the guy who lives over in Elgin, has six kids? That's not against me at all. It is against what I am speaking that they have already made their decision on. But it's still my job to preach the word. It's still your job to pay attention to the word of God. Lord willing, we'll get to know more details about the end times here before the year is up. But whatever your belief is about the end times, I hope that you're paying attention to the signs of the times. Most Christians have a position of one of three exits of when we leave. Before the tribulation, that's called pre-tribulation rapture. Mid-tribulation, before the wrath of God, mid-tribulation rapture belief. Or post-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture belief. Well, we believe somewhere in there that Jesus is coming back for us. How many are ready anytime he comes? 
But how many also have to pay attention to the word at every one of those stages or possibilities because we may be wrong. Some people are saying, man, I, I got to be out of here by the time the Antichrist comes. Well, what if the ones who say the Antichrist is going to come before we leave are right? Are you going to quit when you see the Antichrist come up? Or are you going to pay attention to the word of God and be like, well, I guess Pastor Joe and the pre-rapture, uh, pre-tribulation folks were wrong. Time to buckle up now because we got some, uh, some problems on our hands. But I want to be ready no matter what. I don't want to be dependent upon just an opinion. As I pay attention to the word, hopefully we'll get clarity and we won't be so easily deceived. No matter what, we have to stay to God's word. Look at the next thing. It says, turn your ear to it. How often are we listening to the things of the world compared to listening to God? Think about, it says the next thing, don't let it out of your sight. How much are we watching Netflix compared to the reading of God's word? How much are we listening to the radio and to our favorite music compared to God's word? See, these things are going to guard us and protect us. How many of you during this time have been prepared to avoid some pitfalls because you kept your heart in the things of God? You had your eyes on the scriptures. You had your ears in the scriptures. You began to hear and see things that lined up uh, with what the Bible said would happen. And you're like, okay, I'm more prepared for this because God gave me his word. It says in the scriptures, he doesn't do anything without revealing it to the prophets. How many believe God has our best interests here in the scriptures? How many believe he doesn't want us to be taken advantage of? Now, once again, we may have discussions on some of the details, but we should all be able to stand our ground according to this word. When somebody tells me church is not a good thing, ding, 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 bells go off. That's what the devil says. When, when people tell me that they're going to now punish us if we don't get vaccines, ding, 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 what begins to come into my mind? Mark of the beast. Now, you may say, man, you're an alarmist. Yeah, well, that's what they said in Germany, too. They were alarmists, right? That's what they said in Russia. That's what they said in Japan. At some point, there are some crazy people in the world, friends. I think there was a book written. I can't remember the exact title, but I heard it in a podcast. It was... Um, it was called, you know, the, the genocidal person, your genocidal neighbor or something. And it talks about how in every one of these major cultures, the Japanese culture, the North Korean culture, the, uh, the German culture, the Russian culture, these different cultures, how normal everyday people were the useful idiots of the regimes that were genocidal. Even in the Rwandan cultures, like how all of a sudden normal people like us don't see the value in the human life being destroyed. And have they not done that when it comes to abortion. They have dehumanized what they are doing with those children. And then what do they try to do? Demonize you. They dehumanize the children. And then us who are pro-life, they demonize us. You're like sometimes I'm telling you, I feel like I'm in opposite land. I'm standing in front of the abortion clinic pleading for the lives of innocent children. And they're saying they wish I would die. But is that really a confusion of their worldview? No, because they love death, understand this, it has logical consequences. Because they love death of unborn children, they love the idea of my death. Do you see the connection? Because they love death of unborn children, they love the idea of my death. And because I love life, what's the consequence of that? I love unborn life and I love their life. So they're, they're throwing me up one finger and I'm throwing them up the two fingers, the deuce. What's the difference? I'm paying attention to God's word. I'm listening to what he says. I'm keeping it in my sight. I'm not letting what they do against me to change my heart. Because the last thing there of this section says, keep it within your heart. All of us should be making time to memorize scripture. 
Memorizing scripture plays it back in your mind throughout the day so that it can become natural to your way of thinking. We should be guarding the heart with the scripture, paying attention to it, listening to it, audio Bible, watching it, even on movies. Like you can get the whole gospel of John in a movie, the whole gospel word for word in a movie. We should be watching it with preachers and those that we trust as teachers. So why? We guard our hearts. Somebody say guard your heart. If I told you uh, something that you know is true. Let's say I, I told you that water freezes at X, Y, and Z temperature, and it boils at some, some temperature, right? I taught that to you. I demonstrated it in a freezer and on a stove. Could somebody now come and deceive you about a different temperature freezing and, and making it boil? No, because you know the temperature. You watched it. You know, here it is. It's boiling at this temperature. You see that? Boom, here it is. You see it's freezing at this temperature. Just something like, just as simple as that. We can all understand that. Well, why is it right now in our generation so many people are being deceived? Because they haven't seen the Word of God. They're not listening to the Word of God. They're not hiding the Word of God in their heart. They're like, ah, I don't really know about that. You see, if it was important to me to know what, what temperature water boiled at, I should know that off the top of my head. If that was an important part of my life or my job, I should know that really to like know to share it, to know it, to teach it to my kids. But it's not that important to me because I just put it on and it boils. But how many know this Christian scripture should be more important to us than that? Even the things we're memorizing for our job. You should be able to teach people John 3.16, John 3.3. You should be able to teach them 1 Timothy uh, 3.16. You should be able to explain John 1 verses 1 through 18. You should have a godly worldview when it comes to judgment and how God is going to settle the issues. You should know Romans chapter 1 and at least know what it talks about. Galatians chapter 5, deeds of the flesh versus the spirit. We should be able to have our attention on the word of God, seeing and hearing and keeping it in our hearts, lest we get deceived and those around us get deceived. Because here's the thing, parents, if we're not teaching our children the Christian worldview, how long do you think this little Sunday morning class is going to last when they're in class, you know, 40 hours a week in that secular school, and then they go to university? I can't keep your kid's mind safe. You need to help me, and I need to help you. That's why so many of you who came to our church as young adults, you talked about, well, I was raised a Christian, and then I went to university, or I married somebody, or I started watching this thing on YouTube, and it blew my whole world up. Why? Because the church you went to didn't offer you enough of a foundation. Your parents didn't offer you enough. And so you've got to now redevelop your worldview through the Word of God. The Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The logic of God is not only a concept, it's a person. And from Jesus Christ flows all truth, all knowledge, all logic. Amen? And then he ends. He says, now this is the other four things that you do. You keep your mouth from perversity. We should not talk like the world. I have watched Christians get mad in these conversations with these people on the streets, and they start swearing just like them. And I know sometimes people say, well, Jesus called names. I get it, and I've called names too before. But you can tell the difference when the dove leaves. And I know he never leaves us nor forsakes us, but does everybody get the example? The Holy Spirit represents the character of God. And so often we're in these conversations, and I've witnessed it. I've been there. I'm like, the Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found. <laughs> this is just the flesh now. We all just calling each other names. We're all just yelling and screaming at each other. And then, you know, you see those videos on YouTube. And it's always the one, the side that you're on, you think one, right? Because we're biased towards our points most of the time. But we need to get beyond that. We're not supporting perversity of speech. We're not just preaching to this choir. We are speaking the very oracles of God, closing down the arguments. 
showing them the wisdom of God. What I love is you can watch a video of a young African-American man talking to a white Southern officer during the time of Selma and those riots that happened there. And it was because of the white people, not because of the African-Americans. And that young man outwitted, out-talked, outsmarted that stupid Southern police officer. He didn't have to swear at him. He didn't have to be at his, in his face. He didn't have to urinate. He didn't have to throw a cheese whiz at him. He was able to outwit him and make him look like the fool that he was. That is what we do. Do you understand? Jesus turned those Jewish peoples around so much in their arguments that it says they dare not ask him another question. <laughs> That's where we need to bring people to. It's like, man, I don't know if I should ask another question. He has already busted me like three times right now. Because they're like, how are you the son of God but also God? And he said, do you remember when David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand? And they're like, oh, I don't know if we remember that. We're going to walk over here. And it says they did not ask him any more questions. Jesus was breaking down scriptures to the perspective of the Trinitarian relationship of the God nature. And they had no idea what was coming at them. I was talking, and I'm not saying I'm always like this, but by God's grace, I'm trying to be trained and train others to be like this. Even listening back to my live videos when I'm with people on the streets. When Bevy and them were here, I had a video went viral because she shared it, and it was with me and a lawyer. So that was fun. So he was a little bit quick, you know, and we were talking about abortion. And so he said, well, you know, it's the law of the land. And I said, well, do laws make things right? And then, and then he said, well, I, I, I don't think so. And I said, well, that was your argument about abortion, that because it's legal, now it's right. I said, what if this was a slave auction right here, and the law said it was good? Does that make it right? You see, you're shutting them down. And then they go, no, those are real people. That's different. Well, what's inside your womb, a cat, a dog, or a person? Hello, if we found it on Mars, you would lose your mind and give all your money to go to Elon Musk to Mars, with, you know, with him to Mars. We find it in the womb, and you want to kill it. What is wrong with you? You see, but you are quick-witted. You are smart in your responses. The Bible says that all of God's people who led, led were like this. Daniel was above all of them in wisdom and understanding. Joseph was able to outwit them and to teach them, not only just in interpreting dreams, but they were also able to prepare for famines and to be wise. Be wise on your job. Be wise with people around you. Don't use the stupid, perverse speech that they do. Use words of wisdom. Amen? Next one, fix your eyes straight ahead. You see, we have to keep our eyes on the prize. And the prize is, everybody get this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I am not putting my hope in a political party. I will change a political party in 30 seconds if it's not helping the kingdom of God come. Right now, see, this is what people say, well, you know, because some people just hate Trump just entirely and all of that. And I'm like, once again, if you hate him for these reasons, you must despise this, this person for that reason uh, the, based on those same moral standards, okay? But, but listen, I say it like this. Even if you have to hold your nose and vote for him, it's still a lesser of two evils. And if you don't know how to do that, then you're not good at any of this discussion of morals, because I even said to my own, to, to my own uh, uh, children, I said, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a man touch you or would you rather be aborted and be cut into pieces and to be dismembered across the backyard and thrown in the trash? If I had a choice, I would rather them be touched than rather be dismembered. That's what we're talking about doing to an entire generation. Now, what would I do to the one that touched? That's another discussion. They deserve punishment as well, but it's the lesser of two evils. If you believe those stories or whatever, it's the lesser of two evils. 
There's a time when you don't have the right guy or for everything that you're looking for. And the kings of Israel, I mean, look at the prophets dealing with the kings of Israel. They're basically like, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're for sure going to hell. But then what would God say? Basically, the words would come out like this. I don't want to send them to hell, but I think I'm going to have to. But tell them to do some of this so that I don't have to send them there sooner. If, if we're dealing with right now a nation that already has two wicked people, let's just say in your mind, they're just all wicked, they're all going to hell. If that's where we're at, you now need to ask yourself which one is better and which one is worse at, with the sin issue. Just that alone. If I said to you right now, one person wants to have genocide of a million people throughout our country this year, and the other one is a pervert, a liar, and a racist, which one would you choose? The one with a million uh, person genocide they're planning to do or the person that at times is racist and a pervert? We have to get out of this ideological framework where everybody has to be perfect, ready to lead a marriage Bible study so that uh, we can vote for them. How many know the world has strategies long term? Charlemagne, the false god, is interviewing Biden, and Biden says to him, Here, here's how you know you're black, because if you don't vote for me, you're not black. How many know that man had enough, had enough intelligence to recognize this is an idiot? How many know Charlemagne, at least at that moment, goes, This is an idiot? But what does he say to himself? For my goals to go forward, I need to vote for this idiot. How many know the world is smarter that way? Most of the time we're like, well, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to do that until it's the perfect situation or the perfect thing or I find the perfect church. And the entire world is joining together. Muslims are joined together with homosexuals. Are you listening to me? They're joining with every ideological view against the Christian worldview so that they can win and then sort it out later. And then we're sitting here like we're the fine wine tasters of morality. I will not vote for anybody unless they're a 1988 Reagan Chardonnay. I'll just only vote for the one that I could have in my church. Well, okay, go ahead and vote for Jesus then. But then what did you do for the election? You did absolutely nothing just putting down Jesus' name there. We have to have the goal in mind. We want to survive. We want, if the rapture doesn't happen in the next few years, I want my children to be able to go, to go outside without wearing a diaper. I want them to be able to be free to go back to Chuck E. Cheese. I want to see 20 million people go back to work. I want the churches to open up. Are you listening to me? But at any time, because some people are saying, well, Trump's the Antichrist. Well, I'll rebuke him when he gets there. So if he, if he allows, you know, Israel to build a temple and then he goes there and performs the abomination of desolation, I will be the first one right here to go, that man is the Antichrist. I guess we're now post-trib rapture people. But do you understand my point? I'm going with you as far as you're going with the kingdom. That's not only in politics. That's with you. I'm driving with you and hanging out until you say we're going to the strip club. Then I'm like, let me out. I'm catching an Uber home. So once you, once you detour from my goal, my goal is not to end up today at a strip club, but if my goal is to get to the house and you're going to the house and we're riding there together, we're going to ride there together. But you start detouring towards the marijuana dispensary, I'm hopping out. My friends, the Bible says use worldly wealth to gain friends and influence. The Bible says the children of darkness are wiser than the children of light. They know how in an ungodly way to use each other to further their influences. We need to know how to scratch each other's back without compromise to influence the culture for Jesus Christ. 
I don't believe until Jesus comes that there's ever going to be a perfect president or there's ever going to be a perfect party or a perfect church or a perfect way for us to help our friends understand the gospel. We will make mistakes along the way and maybe at times partner in ways with people that we may not always agree with, but we have to stick with the end goal. How many know during the, during the time of the American Revolution, they had to get together and fight for their freedom? If they all just disagreed over things, said, well, I think we should be independent countries, states like how Denmark is different than Sweden and all of this, we should all become independent. They wouldn't have had a unified battle. And how many know when the North fought the South, that North didn't agree on everything? And how many know, can I just get an amen from somebody here? And how, can I get my rag out here because I'm preaching better than their amen and it's hot up here. I got my key up here for you if you need it. But how many know if you went to World War II, you might have had on this side a Jewish person, a Catholic, an atheist, but you're helping out on D-Day. We have got to get to the point as Christians where we're not making unholy alliances. Here you go, my broski. We're not making unholy alliances, but we're making alliances that further the kingdom. We're making alliances that further the kingdom. What is my goal? The kingdom of God. What is my goal for this country? Freedom and stability. Don't be distracted by the minor things that separate us. When I went to the rally for churches reopening, there was Baptists there. There were Pentecostals there. There was all different denominations there. I'm not there to argue with them whether or not speaking in tongues is in the New Testament. Thank you, sir. What I'm there to do is to make sure that we all open up our churches and don't close down. Amen? So don't let the devil distract you with little fires while the whole house is burning down. You and I are over here trying to put out the matches, and our house is burning down. And so we need to wise up. We need to see that in this day and age, if if your coworker wants to see the glory of God come, be their friend, even if they go to a church that's not opened up right now. You know what I'm saying? We don't become bitter towards them. Okay, your church is not opened up, but you're radical. Cool. Well, you're invited to our church as long as you want, but let's keep praying for our nation. You know, let's believe God for good things. And even in our friendships, we need to be able to show them that we, those who disagree with us, we need to show them that we're not irrational. We have a certain goal, a certain mindset, and we're going forward with that. And for us, it's not for the church to take over the state. It's just for us to uh, inherit or rather uh, give to our children a safe nation and a safe place to practice Christianity. And I believe when we're free in both government and in religion, Christianity wins hands down all the time. We don't have to make anybody do it. Amen? Give careful thought to your ways. I'm happy I'm in a storefront church today and not a mega building with a mega bill. Are you listening? We were... Come on, we were close before the pandemic about going into different building projects and different things. I am thankful right now this place only costs $2,500. Those guys that have a $20,000 mortgage, man, they are sweating right now. And I praise God that he's still providing because I don't want to see them suffer. But I'm just saying for us, we could have made a move as a church to get anxious and go, man, we look, we're growing. We need a new building. Let's take on $20,000 mortgage and be all blowed up. Listen to me. During the time of captivity or during the time of persecution or during the times like these, which could be one of the two, who knows, you have to be careful in all of your ways. Be careful in how you took on debt. You know, I was thinking about getting a certain boat and a certain vehicle before all of this, and then I was factoring in, well, I could do this side job and do all of this, and I even told the church that I was going to do that, but when I went to buy those things, I felt the Lord say, don't buy anything you can't pay because a side gig is not guaranteed. And my side gig was Uber and, and Lyft because I loved driving back and forth to the church, taking people with me, getting to know them in the airport, you know, to take them to the airport. But I realized real quick when that went away, I still had to pay that note. 
And that's where you've got to be careful how you buy and how you sell. The Bible says give careful thought to all your ways because then you're blaming God for a decision you made without him. Well, God, I'm in this situation now, and I'm all upset with you because you're not paying the bills. And God's like, I told you not to get it. I told you not to get it. That's why you had to go to the fifth bank, and they had to give you 20% interest rate. You were supposed to know that was not my will for your life, you know? It gets quiet when I preach like this with someone following me. And I'm not, I'm not speaking death over anybody here, but we better be careful even now. Because they already went crazy and tried to tear down our country. When if they do it again? When if Trump get, gets elected and it looks great on the, on the outset and then they plan another year of, our, of a mess? And now we don't have our jobs. We don't have our homes. You better have three to six months in savings, if not more, a year in savings now. Cut back on Starbucks, man. Put, save your bucks, amen? Brew your own coffee. You know, sew your own clothes. Start a garden in your backyard. Start storing up water. <laughs> Man, get toilet paper. They did us so wrong with toilet paper. Man, we better start stocking up stuff because these people are crazy. Give thought to all your ways. And then lastly here, the Bible says, keep your feet from evil. As long as we do not put ourselves in the place of sin, God will always keep us from sin. But God will not violate his Word that says we are free to choose if we put ourselves in sin. So get this, everybody. If you go to the computer to do something that you're not supposed to there, God is not going to turn off the power in your house or make a virus all of a sudden and come on the computer screen. He will let you choose between good or evil. But if you don't go to the computer and you say, God, deliver me from this temptation, he will deliver you every time. You cannot ask God to deliver you from a temptation that you are putting yourself in to do. You can ask him to forgive you after you got in that mess, but you have to learn in maturity. And I know I got some mature Christians here. We have to learn to avoid temptation. That's why he taught us to pray. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. When I first got saved, I was a smoker. And, you know, I just, I thought the prayer of salvation would set me free, but I wasn't. I kept smoking. And I would be like the kind of person that came to church smelling like smoke. Now people vape and they come smelling like cotton candy. I'm like, what is that? When the vaping first came out, I'm like, who in our church is eating cotton candy? They're like, it's this person over here, They're, they vape. And I'm like, they vape? What is that? And they had to explain it to me. Yeah, you're, you're still getting nicotine, but then you come out smelling like cotton candy, whatever, whatever else you want to vape and do that with, you know? But I used to come to church smelling like smoke. And I'm th I thank God that they didn't cast me out. They helped me, but they didn't cast me out. As the old timers used to say, maybe smoking won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. So I would smell like smoke. And then one time I was by myself, and the Lord just gave me this, this revy. And the Lord said to me, Joe, if you never touch it, I'll make sure you never smoke again. And I know that sounds like common sense, you know, just never touch it and you'll never smoke again. But that was eye-opening because it comes right out of the Proverbs. God was saying to me, Joe, whatever you decide you don't want to do, I will take care of what's in the heart. I'll take care of the heart. Amen? You take care of the feet. You take care of the hands. You take care of your eyes. You take care of your ears. You use the decision-making capability I gave you, and I'll use my powerful Holy Spirit to wash you and cleanse you and renew you. And that's how we guard our hearts.
That's how we guard it. We get into the word of God. We saturate ourselves from it, uh, with it, and then we are protected from the evil of this world because we're choosing to not speak perversely but to speak the word. We're not looking at the temporal and the temporal pleasures of this life or deceptions. We're looking to the kingdom of God. And we're not just flimsy going through life without a backbone being swayed every direction. No, we're giving careful thought to all that we're doing, and we're guarding where we're walking, guarding where we're hanging out. And I believe if we do this, no matter what happens Tuesday, our hearts will be pure, we'll be on the winning side, and God will bring revival. Because how many believe revival is still going to come to this land? I believe in no matter what stage we're at, that God is going to send an outpouring, that there's still lost souls that he wants to see saved, and that there's a generation that he wants to show his power to, but he's only going to use those who are pure in heart. The beatitude goes like this, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They will see God. The Bible says, who will stand upon the holy hill of the Lord? Who will stand in his holy place? Those who have clean hands and what? A pure heart. I believe when we have pure hearts, we'll see the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Use us, Lord. Thank you for coming. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Somebody say, I'm going to guard my heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to guard our hearts in the name of Jesus. If you're here today and you're not saved, as I'm praying, get born again. Get saved right now by confessing Jesus as the Lord of your life.